0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial, Steve Peasley President, KPP Financial, Independent Thinking, Shared Success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon everyone and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our August 13th 2018 edition of Invest Talk. And I'm Justin Klein. And of course, your financial investment questions will drive today's agenda. So we want to hear from you. It's Monday, so some of you may have had a question that came to mind over the weekend. And our phone lines are open for you. As always, 888 99 chart. That's 888 992 4278. And as usual, we are going to do everything we can today on this program for this hour to help you focus on how to best improve your investment strategies. And I fully expect that this hour can be a valuable learning experience for you and for all investors, whether you're a beginner or seasoned investor or somewhere in between. So before I get into the various topics I will touch on in today's program, I do want to put out a quick reminder here, many of you listen to our weekday live stream through investtalk.com and we thank you for that. But when you can't listen live or when you want to download Invest Talk to listen to maybe in your car or on your run or at the gym, I encourage you to help us out by subscribing to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, etc. And here, here's the, the important thing to remember: subscribe, yes, but then listen and rate and review as well. The more you do that, the more people are going to be able to see and enjoy Invest Talk and really gain the knowledge that you're gaining on a hopefully daily basis, weekly basis, etc. Okay, we have. We, we all know that some of our listeners may have begun their investment in saving strategies later than they really should have, and that's typical. Most people don't start thinking about making good financial decisions either until, A, they get into financial trouble themselves, right? They they, they make small, small mistake after small mistake after small mistake, and then suddenly they're in financial distress, and then they try to get their house in order, or... You know, maybe they make good money and they kind of uh, they kind of get along because they make good money and but they make consistent mistakes, but their strong income, their work ethic, whatever, kinda of covers that up. But they get to a certain point in life and they say, I'm maybe not as far along as I hoped I'd be at this point. Or maybe you get to forty years old or fifty years old and you realize you haven't saved enough for retirement and you don't even know where to start. So maybe one of those uh, probably applies to to you. Or maybe a family member you know. And while doing research for today's program, we came across an interesting story. Three ways to recover from a late start on retirement planning. I'm going to break this down coming up in about four or five minutes. But first, let's take a recorded question. This came in earlier from a caller who took advantage of that any timeline that I talked about earlier, it's 888-99-CHART.
2: Hi, my name is uh, Tyler. I'm a podcast listener from Ohio. I-, I have a question. I know this is a little out- outside of what you normally hear about the uh, the stock market investing and like stocks and bonds, but I'm curious how you go about valuing a rental property that you're looking for or looking into as an investment opportunity. I I figure it has to be different from looking at a home because you're not uh, buying it for the same uh reasons necessarily you're buying it for an income stream versus like hoping for the appreciation but i haven't i have no idea how i would begin uh, evaluating properties like this but it's definitely a field that i'm I'm interested in uh, getting into thanks a lot and uh, thanks for the show bye
1: well that's a great question uh rental properties are definitely different than your primary residence your primary residence is for utility purposes right you personally are using it, and you want to live in a home that makes sense for your needs and your lifestyle, as well as your budget. Now, if it goes up long term, if it's in the right area, you know, it probably will. If that it goes up, great. That's an added benefit. It's a nice uh, inflation hedge, I guess. But when it comes to a rental property, number one is being cash flow positive. Uh, We like to use the 1% rule. So you take the value of the property, right, whatever the purchase price is, and you want to get about 1% of that annually, or sorry, monthly in rent. Now in today's market, that's very difficult, so uh, I I know that can be a stretch at this point, but if you're getting 0.8, 0.9%, you're getting close to that 1% level, then you start in a good place, right? Because then you have to account for the interest that you're paying on that debt, uh, if you're buying it with debt. You have to account for taxes, uh, insurance. You have to uh, account for potential vacancies, right? That you should probably account for at least one month there uh, of of rent uh, per year. Repairs. Uh, So a lot of it depends on those factors. How much are they? Uh, You know, in California, the... Tax rate's usually 1%. You go to a state that doesn't have income tax, like uh, Texas or Florida, many times the tax rates are 2 3% annually. So the bottom line, I, I say, is when you net out all your expenses, and you, like I said, you need to account for uh, uh, repairs, and you need to account for vacancy, you need to make sure you have positive cash flow. And not just barely positive, I want a good few hundred dollar cushion per month, right, I want positive, I want to make a few thousand dollars a year at least to give me a cushion, not only from unexpected events, but also maybe rents drop, right, the economy goes down, uh, more people are are moving in together, and and the rent market uh, becomes more competitive, or less competitive, depending which way you're looking at it, and uh, rents drop, and you want to have cushion there as well, and then you have to look at the market. You know, Are you in a big metro market, where uh, there's stability in the job market, or maybe you were in a rural market, or a second or third tier market? Then I want even more cushion. So at the end of the day, it comes down to various factors. And each one has to be taken taken into account on their own, in their own merit, but you definitely want to look at the whole picture and always be cash flow positive. The real estate investment market is a cash flow business. Don't ever try to just rely on price appreciation, unless you're doing flips, and then that's a whole nother risky endeavor, uh, and you need to have uh, even more uh, expertise in other areas besides that. Now this will apply to some of our listeners and even if it does not apply to you it may be something you should hear so that you can tell friends or family members so maybe who who may be in need of information. So I will say you but keeping in mind you could be a friend or a family member. Now, all right, maybe you haven't made the best decisions regarding retirement planning. If you are now for example in your early 50s, maybe late 40s and have the next to n- have next to nothing saved for retirement. Is there any hope of a secure retirement? And the answer is yes, if you're willing to be disciplined and start right now. First, if it's any consolation, you're not alone in this retirement planning procrastination. It is very common. In a recent survey, people between the ages of 45 and 54 were asked how much they had set aside for retirement. Those who answered said they had less than $25,000 saved. While more than a quarter of respondents, fifty five and older, said they had less than twenty five grand tucked away as well. So you're not alone. But if you're in that basket, you need to start now. And we're gonna pick up pick this up after a break. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you may have noticed that we get plenty of specific stock questions on the program each day. And that's fine. We're happy to discuss them. We try to broaden them out, talk about the industry, talk about financial metrics in general. But Steve and I can also help promote your understanding of various investment terms, practices, and explain various market processes as well. So get us your question. I want to hear from you. All types of questions are welcome at 888. 888- 99 chart
3: it's a monday invest talk august is almost half over school begins soon but there are still plenty of trading days this month so sharpen your skill set stay with invest talk Justin's here, and he's taking your finance and investing questions live. 888 chart.
1: Now, let's be blunt, and your trepidations at hearing retirement age, at, at your nearing retirement age uh, with very little saved, is, is understandable. But your situation is not hopeless. Now you still have enough time to significantly improve your retirement prospects. And if you're willing to start taking serious steps, you can get there. So here are three of the most important things you need to do. One is start saving like crazy. No excuses. Everybody thinks investing your money for returns is the number one factor in getting to your financial goals. You know, everyone's looking for that big return potential to launch themselves out of financial, uh, maybe purgatory. But the reality is, saving is what's going to get you to your goals. And consistently saving. For example, if you and a spouse can save $500 a month and earn 6% annually on that money over the next 15 years or so you would enter retirement with a stash of more than $145,000 now obviously you want to make sure you try to do as much possible in a tax deferred account like a 401k or an IRA and that's where you need to start but you probably need to save additionally on top of that as well and this is where a financial planner comes in, doing some calculations to reach your goals. And everyone's goal is going to be different. Number two is stay on the job longer. The longer you you stay on the job, the higher your Social Security benefits are going to be, uh, the later you're going to need to take them. And frankly, I think everyone's staying a little healthier, a little longer with the advent of better medical coverage, meta, or at least medical technology, let's say that. So don't be afraid to work a little longer, because you probably can, and you probably should, and you'll probably be happier, to be frank, as long as you are you know, like your job at least somewhat. Number three is be flexible and resourceful. Now, depending on how far behind you've fallen in your retirement planning, you may not realistically be able to save enough or put enough extra years in your job to make up for the lost time. You may be able to generate additional income to supplement Social Security and draw from your nest egg by finding part-time work. Or maybe starting your own small business that's maybe a hobby turned into a business. So in summation, don't panic. You can get helpful advice. Steve and I can help evaluate your situation. We can guide you on the best plan of action. Send us a message through investtalk.com. And don't put this off any longer. Make sure you're doing what you need to do, not just once, consistently. Now, the lines are open, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888.99 chart. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you'll subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, as well. Then please listen, rate, and review. Maybe tell your friends about Invest Talk and all the platforms radio, podcast, as well as our live stream. And of course, investtalk.com. Well, it's a busy Monday. We're almost halfway through this Monday and halfway through August. And the phone lines are open at 888.99 chart.
3: If there is ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing or maybe should be doing, Make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. Head over to InvestTalk.com, roll over the InvestTalk Programs menu link, and read about the strategy programs. There's one that's right for you. And right now, we're taking your financial and investment questions live. 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. He wants to look at AMG, Affiliated Managers. Uh, do you own it? Are you looking to, to buy it? What is it?
2: No, I own it. I bought it uh, about a month ago. Fundamentally, it looked sound. Uh, I thought it was a good value. Um, it, uh, technically, it, it started to, to look good as well. It punched through a 20- and 50-day moving average, and then... Turned right around and hit a fifty two week low. So I'm just I think I just need to be more patient with this, but I'm, I'm curious what you what you think.
1: Well technically it's definitely in a downtrend. It's fifty two week high is about two hundred and seventeen dollars a share. Now it's at a hundred and forty six forty. And it doesn't look like it's turning around. Uh, I tried to stage a rally recently, that failed. Uh Analysts are downgrading its estimates for the next uh, couple of years in earnings. Revenues are starting to slow down. Revenue growth is starting to slow down, and earnings growth as well. Pays about a 0.8% dividend, so not a big dividend payer. Modest amount of debt. And return equity is 22%, so you know they're they're certainly a, a, a profitable company. Uh, I can't say I hate that, uh, and they're in their investment management business. I think that's the biggest issue, uh, you know, with the advent of such a low cost index funds, even though I think everyone else is over indexing, but uh, kind of these investment management, management firms are, are having more trouble, say that. And I think that's really the biggest issue here. They're in a secular decline, at least until uh, the equity markets adjust and the, I would say index bubble kind of goes away. And, but even when that happens, they're going to be invested in equities, and that's going to go down in value most likely. So I, I just don't like the headwinds for this name. What made you buy it?
2: Well, I, I bought it a month ago, and, and the fundamentals it looked it looked like it hit a bottom, and I thought I was going to to go up. Like I said, it punched through some uh, moving averages, and I thought it was a good time to buy. So, um, but then it turned right around. So yeah, I'm just I think it's probably ready to move on
1: to something else. Yeah, I would move on to something else simply because, uh, like I said, it's in a downtrend, it's in an industry that's having trouble, and if we head into a bear market, uh, even though that'll hurt index funds more than others, uh, this will, will certainly get hit, and Uh, I I see what you're saying, that it did look like it hit some support, but it looks like its rally from that level around 145 has uh, petered out pretty quickly. And to me, that means that this is going to head to probably fresh lows and into kind of the low 100 level, 110, 115, somewhere in there. I think it's going there. So I would definitely uh, take whatever losses you have and move on to something that's uh, trending a little bit better. Thanks for the call, Dave. Let's go to Lee in San Mateo. He's looking at Exxon Mobil. Are you looking to buy, sell, hold?
2: Well, I am looking into dividend-paying energy stuff, either XLE okay. or XOM. And today, I think they came down pretty. You know, up. so I'm just wanted your thoughts on that, and if. Uh, you recommend any of these
1: two? what would be a good entry price? Well, it's a, the difference between ExxonMobil and XLE would be one is just a one company uh, and uh, the other is uh, the probably most popular energy ETF out there, XLE, which is going to own some ExxonMobil in it. But it's uh-huh. going to be more diversified. Chevron and other other names. So XLE would be safer. Uh, But if you're going to buy one name in the oil industry, ExxonMobil is going to be probably the next safest, right? Uh, Yields about 4.2%, whereas XLE yields about 3.1%. So you're going to get a little bit more yield, but you're also getting a little bit more risk overall because you're in one particular name. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't really like this space right now anyway uh oils had a big run the dollars had a big rally yeah. and i think there's more weakness uh, ahead for the oil space than 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 strength i think a lot of the strength is kind of behind us at least for the medium term and so i wouldn't mm-hmm. touch exxon or really a lot of uh, oil names at these levels i think oil, uh, exxon's probably gonna head back down to 70 dollars a share Does it doesn't go okay. lower it depends if oil. Stays above $50 a barrel. If it goes below $50 a barrel, I think the whole industry is back in trouble and you start getting uh, more worries. So I think you should stay away from either at the time being. I would keep Exxon on your on your watch list for an income play, okay. but I wouldn't be buying it right now because I think the trend is just starting to be down in energy and I think it's got a ways to go. Okay. Thanks well, for the that call, Lee.
2: sounds good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Nope, no problem. Thanks for calling. Now, tomorrow on stock do you really need a financial advisor? Now, sooner or later, every serious investor has to come to terms with this question. Now, when you're starting out and you're just trying to figure out the savings phase of your investment journey, you know, a financial advisor isn't really probably needed. But as you gather assets and you uh, have a, a consistent savings plan and you see you know, some sort of goal down the line, you probably need somebody to kind of walk you through. Should you save a little bit more? Should you save a little less? Should I take more risk? Should I take less risk of my investments? Now Steve is gonna help you find your answer overall tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein and I'm here for you. Call me at eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
0: Our podcast continues next. First, good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with Steve. Steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors. A diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio. Steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio. He can make suggestions about the sectors of the future. And if you'd like a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for InvestTalk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one-on-one conversation with Steve, just go to InvestTalk.com and click on the InvestTalk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast.
3: Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? If not, please do so. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. But now, Justin's here and he's taking your calls. 888 99 Chart.
1: Now, today's main talking point is about how, as why home staging is no longer just for the rich and famous. Designers dress up your home to help you sell it and net a higher price. So, I'm going to look into whether that makes sense for most people and what markets, what price range, and how much you should really spend on. It. So, we're going to talk about that. Also, if time permits, I want to talk about annuities and how the industry is changing and are they a good idea or a bad idea for almost everyone. Then, I'm going to talk about earnings. Earnings and income, net income, many people confuse certain terminologies, and I'm going to clarify so that you really understand what you're hearing when you hear maybe top line, bottom line, uh, retained earnings, earnings per share versus net income. What does that all mean? We're going to talk about that. And then lastly, is Elon Musk's plan to go private feasible? I'm going to talk about five reasons why it likely is not. Now, the market today was down slightly. We had the Turkish lira over the weekend really take it on the chin. uh, And they're kind of in a currency crisis. And that started to spread to the likes of Greece and Italy. And this is the effect of the strong dollar. This is kind of what happened in The late 90s with the Asian financial crisis, when the dollar was strong, and it affected a lot of weaker economies and weaker currencies in Asia, and you had the crisis then. Now, where more of the weak economies lie are in the European area for various reasons but that's where most of the weaker currencies and, and and economies lie and that is why you're seeing problems there because of the strong dollar and uh, it's certainly going to create some headwinds for the market headwinds for liquidity out there and it's something you definitely need to watch and it could trigger the next uh, pullback in the general markets and that's kind of what you saw At least the start of a little bit today, the S&P was down about 0.4%, Dow down 0.5%, NASDAQ down 0.25%. So certainly a modest down day, but it's been certainly a weaker than average market uh, recently and growth, once again, underperformed value in today's market. Now we get a wide variety of investing and finance questions on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. So let's hear from a call now.
2: Hey Steven Justin. Love your podcast. Love the information you provide. Might have a question about Nike. It's one of my positions. I know the PE ratio is uh, seems like it's on the higher end of its five year range. Would you take profits or take some of it off the table? Kind of wait for it to dip back down. Just want to know your advice. Listen on the podcast. Thanks.
1: Now first off I want to say I, I I like Nike. I really like Nike. There are probably the best or one of the best well-run apparel companies in the world frankly and long term I love it I mean I play a lot of basketball for in my uh, for exercise and as a hobby I have a whole life and I wear Nikes uh, almost everybody I know wears uh, Nikes and my, my basketball gear all that stuff is, is Nike so uh, I certainly love them as a company uh, and I love the fact that They are consistently profitable. They have a high return equity of 36%. Now, recently, revenue growth is up about 13% year over year. Earnings up at 15% year over year. Uh, Yields about 1% on the dividend yield. However, he's right. The five-year P range is about 20 to 34, and it's at 34 now. So it's at the high end of that. If you're a buy and holder, and you think this is uh, something that's maybe a core holding to your strategy I would keep Nike Uh, but if you're looking as a trader and you want to maybe maybe it's gotten over loaded in your portfolio a higher percentage of your portfolio than you like maybe risen above the 5 percent of your overall portfolio level I would definitely cut it back here Uh, it's certainly a sick little company and it's a global name and there's a lot of weakness economically globally especially in China, for example, and China is now a very big market for Nike. Uh, And if the problems in Turkey and Greece and Italy start to widen out, you're going to see even more weakness in Europe as well. So the liquidity conditions globally are certainly starting to really hit uh, the economies, and Nike is not going to be immune to that. So I certainly would take some money off the table here if it's an oversized portion of your portfolio and you just want to maybe rebalance. Uh, I wouldn't sell all of it because I love the company long term uh, and I think it should be on everybody's watch list, absolutely. Uh, but at these prices, at this 52-week high level, P of 34, even forward-looking, you're talking about a PE in the high 20s, i just not a fan of Nike Right here, uh, and certainly will be uh, susceptible to downside in the short to medium term. Eight 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 ninety nine chart, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's talk about home staging. Now it's no longer for the rich and famous, and if you walk through home you know, open houses of in many large popular uh, metropolitan areas, uh, you're talking New York, L. A. San Francisco, Chicago, etc., you'll likely find a feel that seems more like a model home, right? That you would see at a home builder's uh, site. You know, there's no clutter, there's kind of funky furniture and it, it it's it makes the the whole experience aspirational to a degree. And for many, especially in big markets where homes are average price seven eight hundred thousand dollars or more it's likely to be worth it now staging a home can cost as little as a few thousand dollars and as much as hundred fifty thousand dollars if you're talking about mansions and statistics show one survey by the National Association of Realtors says staging increases prices anywhere from one to fifteen percent now that's a wide margin right? If you spend ten thousand dollars to stage a home that's selling for four hundred thousand dollars, and you get a even a ten percent bump, let's say let's say a two percent bump in price, let's say that two percent bump in price, that's not going to pay for yourself, right? Because you're only going to get an eight thousand dollar increase in the price. Part of that's going to go to the the the, the agent. And you spend ten thousand dollars to do it, so you certainly need to understand what type of market you are working in, what type of buyer pool is looking at your home. Are you in a neighborhood where there's uh, it's maybe upper middle class, where your buyer pool are uh, has kind of disposable income, and they're probably going to get emotional most likely then staging your home at a reasonable price probably is going to make sense. But if the average buyer of your home is, say, uh, an investor, possibly, or maybe just the average purchase price in that area is only a few hundred thousand dollars or less, the payoff likely won't be worth it. So it really depends on who the buyer is. And your whole goal is to get people to emotionally buy into the feel of your home when you walk in. And if you don't think the buyers for your particular property are going to get that feel no matter what you do, then it's probably not worth it. But it can give a big boost. You know, uh, There's been many instances where it's so home selling for a million dollars. You spend 15 grand to maybe stage the home. And if you just get a 2, 3, 4, 5% boost in the price of your home because of that, it more than pays for itself. So make sure that you are, go with, it with a realistic understanding of what makes sense for you and your home and the buyers that might purchase. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for making time to join us here each weekday from about four until five Pacific time. It's streamed live through our investtalk.com broadcast. And it's it's broadcast live through in the Bay Area on AM 1220 KDOW and also streamed live on YouTube as well on our InvestTalk channel. Now ju- just what do we do here? What do we try to accomplish for you? Well, the idea is that the more you listen, the more you will learn about investing and related financial questions. And our theme at Talk is Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. So, saying you can do better than most by making sound investment decisions. You don't always need an expert. Even though Steve and I are experts, all you need to do is bring your question to us this hour, bring your inquisitive mind, and mindset and the willingness to call with your questions in at our anytime listener line at 888 chart
3: If you live anywhere in Northern California and you missed your opportunity to sit down in person with Steve Peasley for a one-on-one portfolio review, there will be a second chance. Yes, Steve is returning to San Jose on August 29th and he can help you fine-tune your portfolio so that it produces improved results. Appointments are free of charge, but they are almost filled. Don't delay. Register now through investtalk.com. Justin's here. The phone lines are open, and he's taking your questions.
2: 888-99-CHART. Hi. Great show. I have two questions. One is I have um, kids who are are entering high school, and I currently have invested in mutual funds, uh, UGMA accounts for both. And my question is, for them, should I convert that money into a 529 plan for the next four years until they get into college, or should I keep it in the UGMA? My second question is, I am a federal employee and am eligible to retire at the age of 56 in five years. Should I continue to contribute to my Roth IRA, or should I contribute to a non-retirement mutual fund account so that that money is available to me within the next five years when I retire because I do not test my Roth retirement monies until I'm age 59 or 60 thank you great show I'll listen for your answer on the show
1: all right I think let's let's start with the first one should you convert your UGMA account? To a 529. The 529 will have some tax advantage nature to it. You'll be able to write it off. And you'll be able to use that money for college purposes. Education purposes. But you'll also be limited in the choices that you have. Whereas a UGMA account, you're going to be more open uh, to whatever investments you want. And I'm going to say uh, a lot has to do with your income, how much of savings you'll, you'll, you'll get in taxes, and the odds are, I'm going to say, a lot. Uh, but there are also limits to your 529 contribution, so you might not be able to put all of that in your 529 plan in the first year. You might need to stage that, so I'm going to say that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would also talk to a financial aid uh, counselor as well before you do that, because I know that uh, UGMA accounts are treated differently than 529 plans, etc. So that needs to be considered as well. And so you're you, you need to look at all of your options and weigh the pros and the cons. Uh, but I I would imagine that converting to the 529 plan would make more sense because of that tax-deferred nature. And your ability uh, to, to use that for, in today's world, uh, almost any type of education purposes. Now, the other one, the Roth, uh, I believe he said he was 56. So you should be able to take money out tax free when you're 59 and a half. Uh, you can take out the, the growth of that, or sorry, the, the contributions to that 529 plan, whatever you want. Uh, so I would be continuing to put that into a Roth, maxing out that Roth uh, IRA as much as you can. I would not put that in a taxable account until you reach that full Roth max. Speaking of Roth IRAs, let's talk to Oscar in Fremont. He wants to talk about Roth IRAs as well. How you doing, Oscar?
2: Thank you for taking my Justin. John. Yeah, Justin, you guys did a great job. I appreciate your show. The question that I have is, I have a Roth IRA. i like to know if you have a position. And if you sell it, how long you have to wait before you can purchase that position again? And I'll take your answer on the air. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: No no problem, Oscar. Now typically there is called the wash rule where if you sell something you need to wait thirty 30- plus a day, 30, 31 days, basically, uh, in order to buy it back. Otherwise, uh, the uh, maybe tax loss that you took could not be applied. But when it comes to a Roth IRA, there that's not really an issue. You could There's no tax consequences for buying and selling things, uh, typically. So you want to... That, that doesn't matter. Uh, but there are some rules, and each broker's a little different. There's some general rules about day trading within an IRA or a 401k, and you need to look at those and you're broke. You need to ask your broker that. Um, so typically you can do, I, I believe, a couple of short-term trades per month, but you can't continue to do a bunch of, uh, of day trades and short-term trades. So, so look. I would ask your broker this uh, and they'll give you a better sense of what those rules are. Well, our Monday show is fast heading towards the finish line. But we still have about 10 minutes left in the program. So let's talk about how to grow your money or any other finance or investing related question that is on your mind. Get your call in now. I want to hear from you. 888 99 Chart.
3: On the next Invest Talk, do you really need a financial advisor? Sooner or later, every serious investor has to come to terms with that question. Justin will be in for Steve tomorrow, and he'll explain how and when you should have a financial advisor. But right now, he's ready and taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART.
2: Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. This is uh, John from Michigan. I'm calling because I've been looking for something to kind of smooth out the ups and downs in my portfolio, and I've been looking at convertible bonds. In particular, I was looking at uh, ETF, CWB, Charlie-Webster-Baxter. It's a spider convertible securities ETF, and it's done pretty good through all this volatility, and it seems to be asymmetric to other bonds and securities as far as returns. And I'd like to know what you think about that, and maybe if you could talk about how convertible securities move in particular versus other asset classes. Be interested in that and and what you think of C W B in particular. Bye bye.
1: All right, is looking at C W B. This is an ETF. This is an exchange traded fund seeking performance corresponding to the Barclays U S Convertible Bond Index uh, over five hundred million dollars. So these are tend to be large companies. Yields about three point nine percent. And for everyone out there, what a convertible bond is is it's a debt instrument, and typically uh, layered on top of that debt instrument is a, an option to buy a, the underlying stock of the company at a certain conversion price, and that conversion price can tr- vary dramatically. Uh, usually it's some sort of premium to the price of the stock when the bond is issued. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why Elon Musk is trying to boost this, the, the, the value of Tesla shares so that when his bonds in March come due, it's about almost a billion dollars in bonds, they are going to be above the $360 a share conversion price. And what happens is when those bonds come due, they mature like any other bond if it's above that conversion price, and there's some stipulations, there's certain dates that has to be above that. Uh, usually before the actual uh, the actual maturity, the payout is in shares as opposed to new bond or cash. Let's say that, right? So a bond typically, right? It matures at a certain date. You get your thousand dollars per bond that you own back that's par and if it's not above that particular conversion price right, the underlying stock then you get paid in cash if it is above that conversion price typically you're going to get paid that thousand dollars in shares at that conversion price and then you can go and sell that in the open market Okay, so that is how convertible bonds typically work So what it allows you to do is get income from the bonds, and typically they are yielding less than a straight bond, a uh, a standard bond is just paying you that that uh, semi-annual coupon rate. So it's typically lower than that. But what it allows you to do is give upside, or get upside to the underlying stock price. And in a bull market, in equities, you're gonna get nice upside from convertibles. But in a down market, the value of that convertible is going to go down. You're going to get a lot of bonds that were in the money, right? say, above the conversion price. And now the stock market, the stock price prices are declining. And then suddenly, it goes below the conversion price. And so what you're going to do in this instance Typically, you're going to get a lot more downside from convertible security, especially ones that are uh, in the money, shall we say. And so I would not be buying CWB in this market. I would stay away from that, and I would look for something else that produces that 4% income because I think there's a lot of downside if we go into a bear market on CWB. Thanks for the call. I love that question. I like how it's different. You know, we don't really talk about convertible bonds. It's an area of the marketplace that really isn't discussed nearly as often as I think needed to be. Because I think there are they're are good ways to diversify a portfolio. Not a bad way to have some exposure uh, there in a in a in a broad diversified portfolio. But at this juncture, not a fan of those particular names and that particular area of the market. Well, that's it for Monday. Another Invest Talk radio show destined to be posted within the hour to our podcast library at investtalk.com. Thank you for listening. Please come back tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. I'll be here for Steve tomorrow. Good night for now.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlos Peasley Financial a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.